Hey, this is Bart Allman with Thinking and Drinking, The Bunker Tapes. I was lucky enough to get to hang via Zoom with the cold stairs Chris Tapp the other day. We just met, but Chris made it easy to tell me stories about growing up in Evansville, Indiana, learning how to play guitar, write songs, and become a killer blues singer. He also tells us a couple of cool Joe Bonamassa stories. I really look forward to hanging with him after this coronavirus gets out of town. The cold stairs, Chris Tapp. How are you, man? Not too bad, dude. How are you? Good. Thank you for doing this. Shit, man. I'm glad to. Been looking forward to it for a while. Heck yeah. So what are you what are you holding there? This is all uh this is a Gretsch custom shop. Uh I, I bought this thing a couple years ago uh, from a guy and loved it and then kind of fell on hard times and sold it. And then uh, the dude I sold it to sent me a message not too long ago and said he had it. He needed to sell it back and hit me just about the right time, so I got it back. Dang. I, I love it, man. Yeah. Well, man, welcome to uh, welcome to Thinking and Drinking. Heck yeah. <laughs> my, my cupboard's bare. I'm drinking Coke today. Well, I'm drinking, uh, what am I drinking? I'm drinking Gold Peak Unsweet Iced Tea. There you go. There you go. It's hard times, ain't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so are, do you do all the media stuff? I, uh, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. I hate it, man. Do you really? Yeah. I, I would love for somebody to do it and then just tell me, hey, man, I need you to do this or do that. Because I, I, I'm just not – I never know if I'm doing the right thing, you know. Yeah. I never, you know, I just – I just kind of throw up whatever. And I know I say things I probably should – I need somebody to say, hey, man, don't – We'll talk about this or that sometimes and Dude, you know, whatever. I just, I did a uh, record promotion for 15 years and I found out it's a lot easier for me to talk about somebody else than to talk about myself. Yeah. But you guys have a great product, man. So well, very cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, it, it's straddling. I, I end up straddling the fence half time of uh, wanting to go, Hey everybody, this is great. Please check it out. And then feeling like a jackass for for saying it's great, but then right. almost the way it is nowadays. If you don't, if you're not, uh, you don't promote yourself. I don't guess that really anybody else will. So. Yeah, I got a question one time by a guy. He said, "Are you a good guitar player?" And I said, "Yeah, I am. I'm not great, but I'm good." He goes, "Well, that's kind of cocky, isn't it?" And I said, "What do you do?" And he said, "I'm a plumber." And I said, "Are you a good plumber?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'm a really good plumber." And I go, "Well, that's kind of cocky, isn't it?" And he goes, <laughs> "Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I get it, man." Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, first of all, man, I freaking love the name, the Cold Stairs. Where'd you get Thank that, you. dude? The first, the I played in a band before this one, and we had we had a little bit of success. We played a couple big showcases and really thought we were going to get a record deal. We, we, we flat fell flat on our face. We didn't get anything. Nice. So I quit, quit music. And then, um, a buddy of ours about a year, uh, maybe six, seven months later, buddy of ours had a gig and invited us to play. And, uh, I didn't want to, I didn't, I wouldn't go start a band again. So the kind of the way I convinced myself at the time was, so man, I, I'm not going to get a bass player. It'd just be me and Brian on drums. Yeah. And I thought, well, if I did that and didn't get a bass player, then uh, it wouldn't be legitimate. So what I did was that night, at the last moment, I got super insecure. And I thought, man, what's, 
well, if everybody thinks we suck, I thought, well, if we're going <laughs> to suck, we're just going to be loud as hell. So I brought about six amps, and uh, I had them set up through this George Lynch pedal. And, nice. Uh, when we first started playing, man, I, I about halfway through the verse, I kicked on all the amps, and everybody just kind of, I couldn't tell if they loved it or hated it, but it did. Everybody just kind of stared at us for a few minutes. And got their I, I attention. After, yeah, I, I, I told them afterwards. I said, "I don't know, man." I said, "We got the cold stares. I don't, I don't know if it was good or bad." Oh, that's great. Yeah, it kind of stuck. But dude, that's great. So it's just you and Brian Mullins. Did you guys figure out that you just can't get along with a third person? So you're just gonna keep it the two of you. Man, I, to be honest, it's a lot easier. You know. Oh, I bet. To, you know, I, I've I've got friends that I've played in bands with before and and uh, and love to death. But uh, it is, you know, I, to be honest, Bart, I'd love to have a, I'd love to have somebody play a organ. Yeah. I can sing a little backup and uh, fill some of that space. But um, we just we weren't intentionally going to be a band. And after all the trying I did all my life for a band to take off, this is the one that kind of did. And after it did, I, at the point that I finally acknowledged to myself we were kind of doing something pretty good, I, I think we were kind of known for being a two-piece then. And I was like, well, right, screw it. You know, we'll just, we'll just ride it out then. Yeah. And it, it helped us and hurt us both at the same time that the White Stripes and Black Keys were, were kind of out around that time. They were doing yeah. pretty good, so. Uh, it helped us. Whoop, I lost you there. No. Oh, there you're back. So yeah. you, are you guys, uh, you guys are still in Evansville, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I like Evansville, man. I used to, when I did record promotion, I was up there with, uh, BKR and shoot, what's the other country station up there? That's the only one I know, but that's the big one. Yeah, there's a 105 something up here, uh, <laughs> but the Beaver Man uh, and WK, whatever that, that there's, I can't remember what that other one's name is. They kind of all dwindled out except for the few big ones. Yeah, that's for sure. So are you guys from musical families and who got you into music and specifically who got you playing guitar and writing songs and singing like a blues man? Um, I don't think Brian really has much of a musical family and I don't either, man. Uh, I came, you know, I, I was born in Eastern Kentucky and okay. my family was kind of surrounded by bluegrass stuff. And then uh, I was actually adopted and, and moved to Western Kentucky and uh, grew up, uh, you know, just outside of uh, Greenville, Central City, Everly Brothers, John Prine, Chris Knight, a uh, lot of songwriters around my area. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, I, uh, I, I, I always tell the story. I, I was, uh, one of the earliest memories I really have of my life was I was sitting on a porch with my granddad and uh, we were watching uh, Jerry Lee, Lewis and uh, Jimmy Swaggart on a, on a television show. And uh, my granddad loved that man. He, and Jimmy, Jimmy would play and, and, but then Jerry Lee got up there, man. It was just something, you know, even then I could tell it was just something a little rebellious. And I told my granddad, I said, man, I asked him about piano. He said, if you learn how to play piano, son, you can get any girl in the world. 
And I'll never, I'll never forget that. And uh, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for him if you want to get it. And my granddad went and bought, he bought a piano, put it in his house. And he paid for lessons. I, I took piano lessons from four years old to about 13. Man. And then at 13, I was playing in a band. I was playing keyboard. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know, the other guy in the band with me played guitar, one of my best friends. And it just, I, I just, Something about it, you know, when you hear when you're in a room with electrified guitar. A lot of people listen to music, but it's a difference when you when you are in a room with electrified guitar. There's a power and a presence there. Yeah, I, man, I begged my parents for forever to get an electric guitar. I finally got one when I was 14. And yeah, yeah, when you can feel the the hairs on your arms moving, it's it's go time yeah. after that. Absolutely. So then, who do? <laughs> If you started out on keyboards and then you moved to your guitar, like who were your biggest influences? Early on, man, whenever I first started playing uh, piano, I don't have, that's the other thing. I, I guess whenever I was doing piano lessons, uh, they would give me music and I'd sit at the piano and I'd hear the lady play it. And I could almost pick it out without the music. Yeah. And I was lazy. And instead of going home and really studying the music, I'd sit there and listen to her and I'd come in. Well, I'd come in and play it and I'd play it in a different way. And she'd say, Chris, are you reading the music? Right. And she'd take the music away and she'd try, she'd try, I'd try to get away with it for a while, but eventually, yeah. you know, she figured out I kind of had an ear. And uh, once I did that, uh, she told me, she said, well, you know, if, if that's the way you want to play, you should try to write your own music. So man, I was in the, in third grade, I got suspended and got sent home because I wrote a, we would take songs from, you know, what whatever was on the radio and then just replace the lyrics. That was my first band. We had okay. guys play, play kazoo. I played piano. We had drummer and we, you know, I can't remember some of the songs on the radio, Men at Work or Genesis, whatever was pop back in, you know. Yeah. And we just replaced the words. And then I, I was taking songs, replacing the words, giving little girls in the class, you know. <laughs> and I started getting in trouble for that, but that's kind of the way it started was just, and I, and I would say that's a good way to learn songwriting really is, yeah, is really emulation, but really, uh, you know, if I was replacing two or three lines, I noticed that the words are replaced every other line, uh, rhymed, right. You know, I was trying to emulate that and do the same. And I kind of learned that way, you know, that's cool, man. That's very cool. So then, <laughs> You guys just have this huge. I, I was probably about a couple. Of years. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say it wasn't really the the blue stuff and the rock stuff. What was around the time I got the, the guitar? The up to up till I got the guitar. Whenever I was about 14, my godparents lived behind us, and they had a kid that was 19, and he was into. He like he didn't listen to any of the pop music, and he'd always tell me, he say, "Hey man, all the stuff on the radio's a bunch of shit, you know." Right. Check this record out, and he 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 had Ted Nugent and Kiss and Jimi Hendrix and all that stuff, and then I really got suckered in, and then I just kept going backwards from that. You know, where did Jim? I wondered where Jimi Hendrix. You know, he was he sounded so different. I thought, man, where'd he get his thing? And, yeah. You know, you just start, you continually go back. And then as you go back, you see similarities between other artists. You know, I, 
a lot of similarities between somebody like Hank Williams Sr. and Robert Johnson and yeah. Johnny Cash and Skip James, you know, and I started, I, and then you, I really started seeing what I liked. Uh, and I probably got pretty snobby at that point there forward. You know, yeah. Just, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Well, you have this huge sound. I've never, I've seen you guys, all your live videos and everything. I've never seen what you have sitting on the floor. Like, I mean, are you running bass pedals and everything? I mean, what does your floor pedal board look like? Is it just massive? Let me grab it. Okay, uh, cool. It, it, it's not that, it's not that big. And I got it, I got it right here beside me. Um, i tell you what I did early on, Bart. I had a, my brother worked for Dell Computer when we first started, and uh, there was a couple programs out, Amplitude and a couple other things yeah. that would simulate a bass sound, but they wouldn't really give enough compression to hold the signal. So you'd hit the bass note, and it would bounce between octaves. And mm-hmm. uh, he was pretty smart. He helped me figure out a way to do it first. So about the first year, two years. I used a laptop on stage hidden behind an amp and to get the bass sound, I would run uh, out of a pedal board into the laptop, out of the laptop into the bass amp. So by the time it hit the bass amp, it was a true bass signal. Wow. But the problem with that, at the time, there was a boss octave pedal, okay. a couple of things now, but nothing that would really, really sound like a bass uh, that we played with. Uh, we did some shows with Rival Sons. And we, oh, yeah. we were opening up for him one night and he got ready to go on. And I looked over. I got, they introduced us. It was Third and Lindsley. The guy introduced us. And we got ready to walk on stage. I looked down at the laptop and it said, updating. Had that uh. in it. And I said then, uh, <laughs> I, I prayed, man. I, I, I basically got on my knees. I said, God, help me get through this one. And uh, I shut the laptop off and it came back up and we were able to play. But after that, I really started searching for something because yeah. I didn't want to use that laptop. So basically my rig, and this is kind of an updated version, but this pedal here okay. um, is an amp switcher made by a guy named uh, Jerry Delisle, Delisle Amplifiers in Indiana. And it's a, it replaced that George Lynch pedal. I go in and then I've got three amps out. One goes to a regular octave amp. The second goes to one octave down, and then the third goes out and uh, through a bass, uh, through a, a octave pedal. I use a TC electric sub and up. Okay. It's right beside there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I go out of that into the bass amp. I've had all kinds of other pedals. Those pedals are the ones that stay on there all the time. But So I'll go out of amp one. Right now, I'm using the Palisades uh, Overdrive box, which is like a bunch of 808. Uh, oh, okay. Tube screws? Yeah, yeah. It's got a, yeah. It, it's got basically eight of them. It's got all kinds of options. So go out of that and then into a Fender Twin. The second amp, I uh, go out of here, and then I go into a dirt transmitter pedal that hits a synth pedal that drops at one octave. And then the third one goes into that sub and up and then hits the bass amp. Yeah. And then I, I just got this thing in this, uh, it's a TC plethora. Oh, okay. And I've kind of, yeah, I've been using it for, uh, I use it for reverbs and delays and all that stuff. It's basically got all the TC pedals in there in <laughs> one box. Doesn't have any drive pedals, but 
Um, but their effects are so clean and amazing. Dude, they're, they they re- they're really good fellas, really yeah. good fellas. Um, and I've got the I got to deal with Fender, and so I use a Fender Pugilist distortion for one amp. And basically, my thing is, um, if you see us live, it, the problem that people have with stereo amps is a lot of guys use stereo amps, but they don't differentiate enough between the amps. So when right. somebody kicks on that second amp, it sounds like they hit a boost pedal. But what I do is uh, my amps sound completely different personality wise. So I, I may have one that's set up for like a, a Malcolm Young or, a, a you know, just a regular great rock sound. Yeah. My second, that personality I think of is some, he's some lunatic that's in the band that loves fuzz and, you know, it's loud and fuzzy. And, and so when it kicks on, a lot of people will say, Hey man, you, you got somebody behind the curtain or you do you have somebody else to tell because it really sounds like a second player. Yeah. And I'll run just a touch of delay yeah. between the guitar and that amp. So they it really feels like a couple different players. And then when the bass comes in, then, then I got a full four piece piece band on stage but uh, it's a lot of stepping back and forth i I always explain to the sound guy before we start i say hey man if you like uh everybody knows highway to hell um if you think about that the verse has got the one guitar that's my main guitar uh when the bridge comes in you hear you know that second guitar come in and then the chorus you've got the bass come in and that's kind of how i run my rig yeah Uh, things come in and out to build dynamics Mm -hmm. uh but when everything's in, I have a hard time playing chords. Okay, uh, that makes it's sense. Muddy. So yeah. if you listen to a lot of our songs, when it gets to the chorus, it's a, it's more of a riff type thing or single note type thing, which makes it sound really heavy and big. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of made me write in a certain way because I can't I can't really do chords with the full bass on everything else i noticed also like like that, now that you say that it makes total sense because there's i don't want to say that there's air in the choruses but there's yeah. it, it's not some bands the choruses get super cluttered and super yeah. almost overproduced and i don't think that's the word for you but but now that you're you're saying that that makes total sense that's yeah. cool yeah hmm. and and to leave it you know Leave it to me. If if I didn't have to do that, I'd probably I'd probably be cluttering things up. Yeah. As guitar players, you know, we all want to do that. Yes, man. If two guitars sound good on the course, hell, let's throw four on there. Yeah. But um, it having some kind of limitation in this band really helped, and I'm a little ADD, and it definitely helped early on when I was writing as well because I had to write for you know things that would fit the the guitar rig live. So yeah. Help me focus a little bit. And you have to sing and play and tap dance at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is even yeah. more. Yeah, well, that's always interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, just reading your bio, and I mean, you've been together since 2010, essentially. You've put out six albums, a bunch of videos, and you just recorded... <laughs> I, I can't believe this. An EP, Black Sunset, which was written and recorded in just three days during quarantine. Is that right? Yeah. Um, man. Man, I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, Bart. The first, when this thing first happened, uh, 
I try to think, first of all, this was going to be looking in December. This was going to be our biggest year. I mean, we have so many big things lined up this year and uh, was just so excited about this year. And then all this stuff happened. And, and I really started thinking about losing some of these gigs and tours and, and, but I, I try to think, look on the bright side. I said, man, I'll buckle down, I'll get in a studio and, and I'll just write a bunch of stuff and put a bunch of stuff out. And for about the first month, man, I just, I just couldn't do it. I, yeah. You know, you know what songwriting's like. When it comes, it comes, and you can't. You can mathematically work on some stuff, but you can't make the magic come until it comes. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know, man. Uh, I really got. I could finish some of the record that we were working on. We, we had when we left Memphis in December uh, or January. I was planning on going back down there in about three weeks to finish the record, and then all the stuff happened. So I got a record that's basically done, except we wanted to finish it at Sam Phillips so that we could use their reverbs. Oh, and yeah. Chambers and stuff. Uh, so I was kind of sitting on it. And then I had an acoustic album that we're doing this year. But part of the acoustic thing was I wanted to write each song in a location. So I wanted to go to Robert Johnson's grave and write a song. I wanted to go to Hank Williams' grave and write a song. I wanted to go, you know, have some different places and not – write the song until I got there. Yeah. I just thought creatively it might be cool. So I really couldn't do that. Um, so I was kind of stuck, but about, what about a week and a half ago, man, for whatever reason, it just broke. When it breaks, it just does. I, I knocked out four songs in one day and sent them over to Brian and said, Hey man, you got a couple of days to get these done, put drums on them and called our mixing guy. And so he, I'm waiting on some final mixes now, but, you know how it is. I mean, it, it's hard to explain to somebody that doesn't write, but yeah. if you do write, um, it's kind of like meditation. You get to a point where you, you're just channeled, then it, it comes, you know, so. Well, coming up through the Nashville system, I mean, I've written over a thousand songs, and sometimes we'd write 100, 150 songs a year, and sometimes it's it's a complete grind, but 99.9% .9 of those are co-writes, and when you're doing what you're talking about by yourself, man, that's, that's, that's a gift, dude. That's awesome. Man, uh, without going, you know, getting uh, too religious, I, early on I recognized that, that I had that gift. And, and if people ask, you know, I, I'm a musician or a songwriter that enjoys playing guitar more than I am a guitarist. Oh, yeah. uh, the one thing that I am confident on is, is the songwriting and it's a, I know I'm kind of unique to myself about the way that I write, I guess, but really early on, whenever I was young, man, I, I, I knew it wasn't anything. It wasn't anything I really, really worked at. And I knew it was kind of from God. And I just, I made a deal then. I said, Hey Lord, if, if, uh, if you let me continue doing this and get better at it, I'll always say that it was a gift from you and yeah. leave it at that. And I always have, man, it, it's, I've worked at a lot of things. That's not something that I, I've honed it, but it's definitely been a, a blessing and a gift. You know? Hey, man, Bible talks about spiritual gifts. I believe picking and singing is at least one of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, so you have studio at your house. Brian has drums and studio at his house. Is that how you record most? I mean, unless you're like going to Memphis or something, is that how you do things? Never has been before. Oh, <laughs> before okay. Quarantine. <laughs> uh, Dang. 
I don't think either one of us trusted ourselves enough. I mean, we would do demos uh, yeah. back and forth, but we never really trusted it enough. And it's hard, man, at home. You know, my son's upstairs. I got dogs. Um, you know, yeah. UPS guy comes. You know how it is. And it's hard to be yeah. creative. When we're in Memphis, uh, you know, I'll go out there and sing, and, and Wesley, the engineer, will say, hey, man, good take. Didn't really like the third verse. Hit it again. Yeah. And I got 30 minutes to knock a vocal out, and I and I'll, I do it, and I'm done. And then, you know, we live with it, and we fix it, whatever. When I'm home here, I'll sing a vocal and go ride a bicycle or, you know, work on my car or whatever else, and then I, I'm overanalyzing it. And yeah. then I, I can sit down here for weeks, you know. So with the EP thing, I said, hey, man, uh, three days max. I'm going to have all the lyrics done uh, in two days, and, you know, I'm just – yeah, you almost have to set, uh, make an exercise of it. You know that as yeah. far as songwriting, make yeah. an exercise, put some limitations. But it's hard at a home studio, much harder than I thought. And your wife and your family and your friends, nobody ever will ever really understand what it takes to get creative and knock it out. Yeah, uh, you know they they come down and see you staring at an old western on TV or something. Man, I thought you I thought you were working well. <laughs> I, I had to stop and, and get creative. You know, sometimes you have to have something that sparks you. Well, thankfully, my wife was in publishing for a long time, so yeah. she understands that watching a yeah. John Wayne movie is gonna gonna reap some some result. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so um, so when you're recording. Is your are you using your live rig or do you use completely different guitars and amps or I mean like you're at home now so you have all of your stuff or did you leave some of it in Memphis or some of it there? No, no, I've got it all here. I I, I treat the studio as uh, anything goes. I want to make the best sounding record, yeah. the best sound song I can, and I'll put anything. I got an organ uh, sitting right over here. I play organ on it. I'll play mandolin. I'll play whatever I've got here. And just be somewhat cautious that I'm going to have to play it live eventually. So I don't, yep. you know, that's what I was. got to have a way to do that. But yeah, man, that's, that's cool, man. Well, I know you've told the tale about Joe Bonamassa a bunch of times, but that is how I found out about you guys was from uh, his Instagram post. And man, that is snowballed. And what a, that's a freaking blessing right there, man. And, uh, I don't know. I think that's, that's so cool. It's led to you guys playing on the blues cruise and stuff. And, and I don't know, it's just, that's a nice feather in your cap, man. It, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't expected and was, was super, was super cool. Joe sent a thing on, uh, Instagram and we started getting a little bit of, a little bit more attention, uh, around that time. And, and, and Joe sent a message and said, Hey, I really like your, like the record and I'd like to help you any way I could. And, you know, I, man, I just thought that was the nicest thing ever. Yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, and then one day I woke up and, you know, I wake up in the morning, I have three or four messages. One of my buddies is up late listening to ACDC and send something, whatever. <laughs> but uh, I, I looked over, I had like 60 messages and I thought, man, even either my dad's passed away right. or somebody, you know, I didn't know what had happened, and uh, everybody kept saying, "Hey, man, you got to get on get on Instagram, look at Joe's page." And he he posted 
we were his favorite band or whatever else. And, uh, you know, he doesn't do that with, he doesn't put other bands and stuff on there. I, yeah. It was incredibly, incredibly kind for him to do that. And, and I've kind of become friends with him since I was working on some stuff uh, last week and uh, I texted him and asked him about some guitar stuff. And he, you know, got right back with me. He, he's a, just super, super cool fella. And yeah, been been really nice to me and you, you know you never know with somebody like that you know i've you've met celebrities uh sometimes you know you never know, know how somebody is and from a from an instagram view or from a facebook you know everybody kind of draws ideas on what kind of person they think somebody would be and yeah you know, i've tried to be less and less uh less and less like that he is a been super, super kind and just a nice fellow to us. But I'll tell you a quick, uh, quick, funny story. About a year before, uh, I teach guitar here locally. And uh, I was upstairs teaching. And uh, I heard something downstairs, didn't pay attention. And uh, Joe was in town playing a show the day before or the day after. And I came down and gathered on the shop, Tim, uh, I said, man, what's going on? He said, oh, Joe Bonamassa was in here. He had been in there before. He said he was in here and uh, he was looking at his Telecaster I had or whatever else. I said, man, is he, is he gone? He said, yeah. I said, did you tell him that I, you know, I play in a band and I'm, I'm here or whatever? He said, no, man. Yeah, shit, I didn't tell him nothing about that. I said, well, man, the label that he's on in Europe, you know, they made us a record deal offer and, you know, we're, you know, it would have been nice for you to just say, hey, man, I don't know if you heard the cold stairs, but the guy works here and he's a fan of whatever else. And, uh, man, it really got in my crawl, you know, and, and maybe it shouldn't have, but it, it did. And uh, I said then, I, I was frustrated that night. I came home. I said, Lord, man, sometimes I just don't feel like I can get a break. Yeah. And I, but I quickly got over it and I said, you know what, whatever not on my time. I will figure this out. And, yeah. And then when that happened, I, I thought of all the people that could catch on to our band and really help us. It's pretty amazing that, yeah. <laughs> that Joe did that. So, <laughs> yeah. but we're still playing. We're still going, we're going to Europe with Joe in 21. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, we were supposed to go this August and it's moved to next year. Uh, yeah, we're going to Europe and we're doing that. And then we were scheduled to play um, uh, "Louder Than Life" in Louisville with Metallica this year. We were scheduled to play uh, "Rock USA." We're scheduled to play "Aftershock" in uh, Sacramento, California, uh, and that's Metallica headlining that yeah. too. I think that will. Uh, we're hopeful that that will still happen. It's in October, so you never know. But. I don't know, man, the way things are going, who knows, but. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I saw your post, I think it was last night that you were supposed to be at the Viper room last night. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, uh, Amy and I were just talking about this last week. I mean, cause all our session buddies and writers, I mean, writing guys are doing a lot of this and FaceTime and stuff and guitar players and bass players can do a lot of, you know, file sharing and whatever and drums if you can but studios are out of business clubs are out of business venues are out of business i mean it's it's insane we've got tickets to a bunch of shows this year we don't right, know right now if any of them are going to happen yeah. i don't know man it's pretty crazy it is uh like i said I, in december looking at this year i mean if you if you would have said hey 
there's a chance a virus might yeah. come along and keep you from doing all this. Uh, I would have, <laughs> I would have taken bets on an alien invasion <laughs> right. over a virus. Uh, I just never dreamed, but yeah, I'm with you, man. We had a, we were, we had a festival. We had a show in Vegas. We were playing the house of blues in Anaheim, the Viper room. I had some stuff. I was supposed to go out and do uh, guitar demos for Fender guitar for their YouTube and, I had so many things I was excited about, and I, I just can't think about it, man. I'll tell you what, uh, I'm from yeah. Kentucky, and, and, and when I, we don't usually go around uh, talking about things that well us up. I, I bet, I've been emotional the last couple of days thinking about all the stuff we were going to do. Hell, man, I'll be in a CVS buying buying tissues or something today, <laughs> and, and, and freaking Don Henley song come on. I got all choked up. Yeah. I, it, it's, I mean, I don't know. I know a lot of people deal with uh, depression and stuff like that. I can't imagine what some people are going through right now with their worlds turned upside down. You know? Yeah. I, you know, you mentioned your wife and your son. I, I thankfully I've, I've got my wife and our dogs. I can't imagine being a single person and not having anybody to, to talk to or, or say what you just said to. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I can't either. And people that have lost people, you know, I hear people say, well, this virus is not too bad. Well, it's bad enough to kill John Prine. I, I really don't care about any. You can say whatever you want to. John Prine would still be alive if we didn't have a virus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Kenny Rogers, I don't know. I guess maybe Kenny didn't die of Corona. But there's Joe, a lot Di- of, Joe Diffie did. Joe Diffie, yeah. A lot of people yeah. that, it, you know, it's changed a lot of things uh, that it wouldn't have. Yeah. So I hope we get past it, but man, I never, never dreamed. So going back to Joe real quick, do you have to deal with Mike Hickey at all? I, I haven't <laughs> yet. No, uh, I've heard he's, some stories about him. Dude, he's he so, like well, he was on this show and on this podcast and he's a blast, man. He's so much fun. He's such a metalhead. But I, man, he's gonna love you guys. He's gonna love your multi amp, multi everything setup. That's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm a fan. I know he's well regarded among. Yeah, uh, Joe and all those guys. He he knows what he's doing. Dude, that's killer. That's killer. So I mean, are your shows the ones you just listed? Will those are those canceled, or are they postponed, or are they moved back, or is that still just a, such a moving target? You don't even know. Everything's in the can right now. Uh, yeah. Everything is, is nothing's happening uh, to my knowledge. Everything that we have can't have for the whole year is canceled to my knowledge, except for us playing Aftershock um, in October. Uh, and I think, you know, like Louder Than Life, some of those, I'm sure that they'll be postponed. I hope they don't get postponed the whole year. I hope that stuff happens in the spring of 21. But yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful that we stay on all the bills and, um, but I mean, a man right now, I don't know. I mean, we, so one of the things we were doing in Memphis was uh, we, we recorded most of the album and then we had a gig uh, in Quincy, Illinois in April. That was a fundraiser gig that uh, some folks were putting on for us. They had sold pre-sold tickets and stuff. It was a. It was one of the better paying gigs that we had coming up this year that would have paid for the rest of the record. And now, mm. can't do that, you know. And so we, 
kind of our budget shot on the record and uh, any gig. So I, I don't, so I don't know. We're just kind of, kind of rebooting and restarting. Hopefully the EP will kind of do good for us and we'll bring in some stuff there. But what uh, Nashville stuff, it, there's nothing going on down there, is there? No, nothing. Yeah. See, we were supposed to play, uh, we had the Cowan on the books. We had a couple shows at the Cowan this year. Oh, yeah. A thing at NAM um, and some other stuff. I can't imagine they'll have NAM down there this year either. No, I don't think so. You know, we're supposed to have uh, – uh, the the big Motley Crue Def Leppard thing and and you know uh, Phil Collin uh, his tech John Zaka is a buddy of mine and just got a note from them saying that they don't even know if this if it's going to happen when it's going to happen they, I guess we're supposed to know Jan, June June first if if they're going to start the tour or when they're going to start the tour I mean I mean it's yeah it's it's crazy from from clubs to bars to uh, stadiums it's all gone man so. i can't imagine if, if like locally here they're letting some things open up back up on monday but uh restaurants have to run at half capacity I, yeah and no movie theater or anything like that i can't right. imagine that they're going to do a, a concert or a festival with that many people at least no you I, know if they if they come up with a vaccine or something you never know but yeah I don't know. Man. I don't know. It's crazy times, man. Sanity. Uh, I, I haven't met uh, I haven't met Phil Collin before, but uh, when we were in uh, in Los Angeles in November playing shows, we did that tour of the Fender uh, Custom Shop, and I hung out with the guys from Fender for a day. And oh, Phil cool. has his own room there at Fender. Really? And oh, because they own Jackson. Put, yeah. Okay. They own Jackson, and. Uh, he comes in there and knows he knows all the Fender guys first name, but he has a room and it says on the on the above it's the Phil Collin room. <laughs> and he come, I guess he lives close to there, maybe I don't know, but he comes in. They said every couple of weeks and just talks to people and, and plays guitar. I, I got the they had a couple of the Def Leppard guitars in there that they were working on, and I I got to play and uh, they love him, man. He. He's out there all the time, they said, which I thought was super cool. Yeah, it's nice to hear that people are nice. Yeah. Well, man, do you want to do my lightning round? Absolutely. It's not the lightning Hopkins round. It's just the lightning round. <laughs> I should yeah, I should have a little lightning in me maybe before I try. But yeah. <laughs> just, uh, I'm just going to ask you a handful of questions and just off the top of your head, just whatever your answer is. Okay. What's your favorite book? The Bible. Nice. Me too. Are you a bath or a shower guy? <laughs> shower. Sweet. What's the last? Unless I have a cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to leave your boots on. Yeah, I've watched enough old westerns to do that. But... <laughs> What's the last gift you gave someone? Um, Nintendo Switch. Sweet. I'm guessing that was for your wife. <laughs> that was for my 12 year old boy. <laughs> I wish. Yes. What's the first concert you saw? How old were you? And did you get a t-shirt? Kiss, uh, sixth grade. Yes. And no. Dang. I just saw kiss about two months ago, three months ago. Yeah. What's the favorite song you've written or sang on? 
Um, it changes every week. Break my fall, probably. Yeah. Cool. What song do you wish you would have written? I mean, that could be Amazing Grace or whatever. Um, man, I'm on a Don Henley kick today. Probably, uh, I guess Mike Campbell wrote that song, but maybe Boys of Summer. Mm. Yeah. So what would you be doing if you weren't doing this? Probably working on cars, motorcycles. Really? Yeah. Just like customizing them or? Yeah, I, I build, uh, I build out cars. I don't build, I don't do engine working stuff. I, my dad owned automotive stores the whole time I was growing up. Oh. I started working on cars when I was 12, 13, changing oil and brakes and stuff like that. And then I, I always had motorcycles whenever I was little. And so I've always, I've never not either been working on a car or had a bike or something. Nice. Well, I was going to ask you, what are you listening to these days? But I'm guessing Don Henley's the answer to that. Not normally, <laughs> not normally, but I got tore up in the CVS this morning, like a 16 year old drunk girl. <laughs> and uh, I got in the truck and I thought, it's a damn shame that nobody is you know, like, what if Don Henley dies? Like, do, do everybody know how great is they played? He, I, my drummer sent, uh, Brian sent a, a, a version of him singing Desperado a couple years ago on Howard Stern. I just couldn't believe how, how good he still was. But yeah, no, this week has been blues week. It's been Skip James, Book of White, uh, some oddball old stuff. Anytime I get to writing, Cold stare stuff. I always go back and I start listening to old blues, even for the the library of words and phrases. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So what's next? I guess finish records and wait for dates to come back. Yeah, about <laughs> it. Um, I may try to if this stays. I think I'll be able to start teaching guitar locally again. Maybe next week. I don't know if students want to come in, but. If things start moving, I think Brian and I'll do some lives, uh, maybe do some YouTube live stuff and yeah. some concerts in between now and things get going. If things don't get, you know, if live, real live shows can't happen for a while, I might put a Patreon together and, and have some live music on there and then maybe do a songwriting course or yeah, man. blues rock. Or I, I got to figure out some way to keep the revenue streams coming in yeah. for what we've lost. We lost, you know, it, so, you know, I, I'm a lifer, dude. I'll be doing doing this in some some fashion, but yeah, I don't know exactly. We got our, my plan was for three records this year, and I'm adamant on doing that. So, I have an acoustic record written, uh, three songs of it written out of ten. Heavy Shoes is written and recorded. I just have to get back to Memphis to finish that. If if the things lift, we'll go back down there in a couple of weeks and finish that. And then this EP. So I'm just, man, at the end of the day, I hope that uh, I, we may, you know, I may not, we may not be Led Zeppelin or we may not be this band or that band, but I, I want to put out, I'd love for somebody to go, oh, the Cold Stairs, they put out a lot of good music. Yeah. You know, not a lot of duds. So if I put three records out this year and they all have good songs on them. And I, I, I'd love for somebody to look at our catalog and go, hey, man, they got like eight records that are, you know, kind of, clutches that way you know they're yeah. not you but man they got a great catalog of records so i'm just trying to be blue collar about it and, and just work my butt off on it as much as i can 
put out as much as I can. That's awesome. That's awesome. What's the best uh, social media ways to get a hold of you and find out about you guys? Instagram uh, is the one I do the most. We're on Facebook. I don't do Twitter. I took us off of Twitter about a year ago. It's just too much politics and negativity on there for me. Yeah. But you can catch us on Instagram and uh, or Facebook, either one. We have our website, just thecoldstairs.com, and pretty easy to, to grab. We're with uh, Andrew, good friend at TKO and out of Nashville, booking agent. So we're cool. uh, we're accessible. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah, man. Dude, hopefully we'll get to hang out someday. Yeah, I'd love to get down and write, man. I never have done much co-writing. And oh, dude. I'd love to do that. I don't know if you can see, but you won't have to bring a guitar. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, go hug your family, and thank you so much, and I will talk to you soon, I hope. Sounds good, Bart. Thank you so much for having me, man. Thanks, Chris. See you soon. All right, buddy. See you. Bye.